Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of Games Parlay. Uh, once again, I am one of your hosts, Billy Hatfield, joined, as always, by our other co-host, Matt. Hey, Billy. How's it going? It's going pretty well. Just finished playing some Metroid this morning. Um, Excellent. Still binging Hollow Knight, as I have in <laughs> the past month or so. So I'm excited to finally get my thoughts out. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. It's one of the best things about doing this podcast. Just, you know, if you guys haven't figured it out already, our episodes usually are based on things we've been playing at the moment or new gaming news. Uh, and as you can see by today's title, we're talking about Metroidvanias, um, which is an awesome, an awesome thing, uh, because this genre of games has been around for a while now. Um but very, not necessarily recently, but within the last few years, the genre itself has kind of made a resurgence, um, which is pretty cool. Um, so first, before we kind of dig into some specific games, kind of talking about what we like about them and what we don't, um, we're going to define a what a Metroidvania is. Um, luckily, this one is not as uh, intense as when we were talking about roguelikes versus roguelite. Um, so a Metroidvania is... Uh, a game that features a lot of exploration, uh, collecting power-ups to progress through certain areas of the world, um, typically involving a lot of backtracking, um, is kind of the most generic definition of a Metroidvania. Yeah, I think it's pretty accurate. Um, and then having like a very large expanding map that like. <clears throat> You can find a lot of secrets throughout the whole thing. Um, and there's usually a lot of lore and story stuff based off of your own exploration as well. Yeah, there's a lot of nuance within what a Metroidvania is, but, um, but yeah, those are kind of the main things. Ever-expanding map, power-ups, backtracking, and upgrades. So, let's talk about the, one of the halves of the word Metroidvania. Uh, and really, this kind of stemmed for me once Metroid Dread got announced, um, and my hype level just went through the roof. Um, and so as of recording, it would have been like two and a half weeks ago or so, I played through every 2D Metroid game in one stream. Um, it was kind of ridiculous. Yeah, I, I marathoned a 14-hour stream and played Metroid Zero Mission, another Metroid 2 remake, Super Metroid, and then Metroid Fusion. Um, so... I've gotten gotten my Metroid fix uh, pretty recently. I have a feeling you'll be doing something pretty similar around the release of Dread as well, knowing you. Probably. <laughs> um, well, there's randomizers for all of them now, so I might oh, just boy. have to play a randomizer of all four games. Um, but that's for another time. Uh, so the, the term Metroidvania came around uh, because Metroid is, one of the, is the first game that really introduced this exploration-based uh, gameplay style. Um, released the same year as The Legend of Zelda. Um, yeah, 1986. Um, on the NES. Uh, and the original Metroid is very, very difficult. But it, it included the things that we know today as a Metroidvania. Um, you would, you know, you go off and explore, you get the Morph Ball right away. Uh, eventually you work your way and you get bombs and you get the Varia suit later and you just get collect these upgrades to traverse different areas of the game except the original Metroid is really hard 
Um, what I've heard. I have not tried it yet. I'm a little afraid. I'm mm-hmm. already struggling enough with Super Metroid that I feel like going back to that would even be more difficult. Even as somebody who's played Metroid Zero Mission a ton of times, uh, which is a basically a remake from the ground up of the original Metroid, so I should have a good idea on where everything is, but the problem being the NES had such a limited color palette that there's like no backgrounds. It's all black backgrounds. Um, so aside from the tile palettes, it's like impossible to tell where you are without some sort of map or guide or whatever. So that's kind of that. Um, but then, you know, we wait a little bit longer. We get the Game Boy Color, which gives us, or not, sorry, not the Game Boy Color, the original Game Boy in 1988, if memory serves. We get Metroid 2, um, which that one's a pain. And then we get Super Metroid on the SNES, uh, which is really where the Metroidvania genre started to expand out. Where the, we get the Vania part comes from Castlevania. Um, and the original Castlevania games were not as much part of this whole like item collecting uh, sort of collectathon. As it's not quite that, but you get the idea. Um, until we got to Castlevania Symphony of the Night, um, which I've actually never played. Uh, Me either, surprisingly. But I, I've what I've seen, I've seen it played like a million times, and it's very, very Metroid esque with the ever expanding map. Uh, collectible upgrades that allow you access to other areas. Um, and then at some point, I think it's halfway through the game, the map like inverts itself. And so you have to explore the mansion inverted. I think um, upside down. Upside down, that's probably accurate. Um, which is cool. And so then after that, anytime a game featured these types of things, they started to be known as Metroidvanias because they were the two genres that really kind of reinforced this collectathon or this um, item collecting traversal. And that's pretty much where like the nuance starts to kind of end. Um, Cause after this point is when we start to get games, like we're going to talk about later, we're going to talk about hollow Knight, um that then embraced these kind of genre things. Right. So, Indie yeah. Developers especially have really taken to Metroidvania mm-hmm. especially in the past, I don't know, seven, ten years or so, after yeah. Nintendo stopped kind of making them, um, they were like, well, we could probably do that. And they did, and they filled that need in the market, and it's been really successful for quite a few of them. Mm-hmm. I think technically or- the Ori games are Metroidvanias. I think I they so. um, feature a lot of like collectible power-ups and stuff. I haven't played them, so the only reason I don't know offhand. I'm um, to play next. Yeah, but I've heard that that's the genre they fit in. Um, and of course, Hollow Knight's probably the most successful uh, Metroidvania that's come out since the Metroidvania series uh, themselves. I'd say so. so. So let's take a deep dive into Metroid a little bit in, in specifics here. Um, and so, Matt, you've been playing Super Metroid recently uh, in preparation for this episode. Yes. And I'm curious, what are your initial thoughts as you've been playing through it? Hmm. I would say mostly positive. Um, let's see here, where am I in the game? I'm currently stuck on the second boss, the big red one whose name I forgot. Brockemeyer. Right. Yeah. 
Um, I don't yeah. think he's like one of the main four bosses in mini boss technically. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have not gotten the ice beam yet. I think I had to backtrack and get that, and I missed it. So I'm kind of right before the point where the game really starts to open up and expand. Cool. Um, so far, I I do like it for the most part. Mm-hmm. I. I think most of my issues with it are because of the fact that it's an older game. So, specifically the map, I have a really hard time reading. It doesn't really give you very much useful information other than you've been in this room or not. Yeah. It doesn't tell you... And if there's an item or not. (laughs) Right, exactly. And it doesn't tell you how you got in the room. It doesn't tell you how it connects to other rooms around it. So, if you have, like, a room that's surrounded by a bunch of other rooms. You don't know which one of those other rooms is the actual door to get in, mm-hmm. which is kind of annoying. Um, yeah, I do know they changed that in the, the Game Boy Advanced release, so that's cool. But I'm playing yes. the SNES yeah. version, so. Right, um, which is the, to my knowledge, the only way to play Super Metroid um, outside of fan games. Right. Um, so... Yeah, it, Super Metroid does suffer a little bit from being um, a bit outdated for those of us that didn't grow up with it. Um, I will say Super Metroid was the one that frustrated me the most out of the four I played in a row. Um, but, um, yeah, so one of the things that <laughs> that you mentioned that I, that I love is I got stuck at this one part. <laughs> Um, cause that happens a lot in these games. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll just, you'll wander, you'll wander, you'll wander until you finally find the thing that you're looking for. Um, now I will say, you know, if you're listening and you're, and you've played a lot of Metroid games, you're probably thinking, how could you possibly be stuck? You know, you, you know, I know that you need these items to progress. It's cause Metroid has not changed a whole lot since the very beginning, as far as upgrades you need. So right. I can look at a Metroid game and tell you, oh, yeah, by this point, you should probably have the Varia suit because you're running into hot rooms. So if you're going into hot rooms, you shouldn't be because you need the Varia suit to get through. You know, Cap- that, that is information. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's information that I know intrinsically as somebody who has played these games a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you don't know what you're looking for, um, like my first time playing Super Metroid, I forgot the Spacer Beam was a thing because um, right. it only appears in Super Metroid. Um, because uh, well, I think it shows up in Metroid Two, but I didn't play that one until recently. Um, but in Fusion, they call it the Wide Beam. I like um, that way more. That explains what it actually is way better. I don't know. I I like the word Spacer. Um, okay, that's fun <laughs> to me. <laughs> uh, but for example, if I didn't know that that item was even there. You know, I'm not going to know to go get it. <laughs> right. Um, stuff like the ice beam and the power bombs and stuff. If you don't know what you're looking for, it's very easy to miss a lot of these things unless they put it in your face as you're playing through. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, but I will say that once you've learned one Metroid game, you have a pretty good understanding of the ones moving forward. Right. Um, so that's kind of like a. I don't know if it's necessarily a positive or negative. It's just kind of an interesting thing um, to kind of note as as somebody who recently played uh, two and uh, Metroid Two and Metroid Fusion for the very first time, and was noticing what I needed to progress just because I played other Metroid games. Well, similar to any genre of anything, 
you having more familiarity mm-hmm. with other things in that genre makes um, future things way easier. Yeah, that's true. And I will say the um, very beginning of the game is structured really well. Like, it does a good job of teaching you the way the whole thing works. So it's like, yeah. in the very beginning, you find all these locked doors, and it's like, oh, I can't go in that pink door yet. I don't know how to do it. And then eventually it mm-hmm. kind of funnels you through a very set order and to kind of teach you the way that the whole game is going to operate. And it, it does a really good job yeah. with that, I feel. I think I'm at the point where they're kind of, for the first time, letting you just kind of go where you want to go. And I'm struggling mm-hmm. with that because now I don't know where to go for the first time in this game. Yeah. Um, that's just kind of how, yeah, that's just how a lot of these Metroid games go. Um, one of the things that I like as a returning fan is, um, again, it's kind of whenever you play like a Mario game, like you get to the next one, you're like, you hit the ice level and you're like, oh my God, I hate this. But I know what I'm getting myself into because I know that it's there. Um, you're always going to run into a lava area. You're going to have to fight Ridley at some point because Ridley is in every game. Um, you're going to have to get, you know, the plasma beam and that kind of stuff. You're going to run into space pirates. It's just inevitable stuff. Um, and I think that's that's what Metroid in general does really well is it knows what it is and continues to kind of bring that to it. Um, I'm interested to see um, how it kind of iterates on that with Thread because we have had yeah. such a boom of big Metroidvania games that have reached really large popularity since Fusion came out. So it'll yeah. be cool to see if they kind of take some inspiration from the things that like, were inspired by Metroid itself, mm-hmm. or if they'll just kind of keep on keeping on with their same ideas. Yeah, I am curious. It seems like, at least from the trailers, things are a lot more reactionary than they used to be. Um, older Metroid games were pretty much just point and shoot mm-hmm. um, and jump out of the way and point and shoot some more. Uh, but Samus Return uh, introduced the counter feature where you can melee counter. Right. Uh, really but cool. now it looks like, yeah, I, I'm really, like, it looks so good. Um, but Dread has, like, an active, like, melee dash uh, and stuff like that. So it looks like they're trying to take a more, like, action based approach with Metroid. Um, and of course, all the stuff with the Emmys, um, adding in that almost like survival horror esque uh, element to it. Those things are scary. It's going to be yeah, yeah. It's going to be pretty cool having to run away from them all the time. Yeah, it, it'll be cool. Um, and on that, I think one of the best things about Metroidvanias are the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those games set up a, a very specific atmosphere that they are going for. Um, if you've never played Metroid, but have seen an Alien movie, you have a pretty good idea on what Metroid is going to feel like, for the most yeah, part. Yeah, it's accurate. Um, because Alien was the inspiration behind uh, Metroid. Um, a lot of The sense. first Alien movies. Yeah, uh, Samus is based on Ripley. Hmm. Um, which is probably where they got the name Ridley. Oh. Probably. I don't know that for sure, but that's a pretty solid guess of mine. Um, that's a pretty good guess. Yeah. So uh, the the story of Metroid and the atmosphere is you're on this alien planet, um, at least Metroid one through three, which is Metroid, Metroid two, and Super Metroid. You're on an alien planet. And you're hunting down Metroids. 
Um, in the first one, you're stopping the space pirates, uh, which were using the Metroids for evil purposes. And then in Metroid 2, you're back on the same planet, except now you're exterminating every single Metroid. Um, and then at the end, you grab a baby Metroid who you give to the Galactic Federation because now there's a Galactic Federation. Um, Super Metroid, you give the an, the space station the baby Metroid. Um, and then the space station is attacked and you end up back on um, SR388. And you're back on the planet trying to stop uh, Mother Brain and the Space Pirates again. Uh, and then Fusion is you on the on the space shuttle. So it's all like alien space stuff with a little bit of um, like ancient civilization sci-fi. Um, which it does really well. A lot of the soundtrack is very um, mechanical in a lot of ways. Um, the Game Boy versions in particular used a lot of choir. Um, synth choir. Uh, the uh, cool. Super Metroid did a little bit too, just a little, not a lot because SNES. Um, but it's a lot more percussive. Um, and again, the different areas have a lot of different sounds. Uh, like Norfair is a lot more kind of in your face, and then Bryn Star is a little bit more kind of down to earth um, style stuff, um, which is very very cool. It fits the atmosphere really well. I agree. Uh, I do really like the soundtrack of Super Metroid. It does a really good job at creating that atmosphere that is really paired well with the visual cues that you get throughout the whole thing. It does all fit together really well to create a really spooky, isolating um, environment. Yeah. And that's the thing about Metroid. Before we start to... I think we're kind of about ready to head into Hollow Knight. Um, but I think... Metro, the the one thing Metroid tries to do is to make it feel lonely. Like Samus yeah. is a lone bounty hunter. Um, like that's her official job title is bounty hunter. Um, and so she gets sent by the Galactic Federation because she's the only one strong enough to take care of it. Um, and it really sets that up that you are just on your own traversing these alien worlds um, and hunting down these space pirates. Um, which is such a cool, cool thing. Right, it is kind of strange to have a game where you don't interact with any other character except for scary aliens that are trying to kill you. Like, even mm-hmm. in Mario, you interact a little bit like with Princess Peach in the earlier games and with, like... Yeah. Um, in Super Mario, you interact with, like, the Kings and the Toads and stuff a little bit. But, mm-hmm. like, you don't see anything else except for things that are trying to kill you. No. Uh, you are a cold-blooded killer on your way to get a job done. Mm-hmm. Um, and then lastly, before Hollow Knight, before we start doing compare and contrasting stuff, um, the upgrade progression in Metroid is really, really solid. Um, I I f- always feel good. And again, it's, of course, it's I know what power-ups to expect at this point. Right. But man, does it feel good when you finally get the high jump boots um, that's like my go-to power-up that I love to get, even though it's the least necessary, probably. I like it. It makes things so much easier. Yeah. Yeah. But I like jumping higher. And of course, I do a lot of randomizers, so it's a lot of, you know, do I really need the high jump boots? Probably not. But do I want them? Yes. Um, but when you're playing through the game, normally, um, you're go- you run into the needed power-ups a lot faster. Um, and it's, and it's really nice you know whenever you finally get 
the Varia suit and you watch Samus's suit change color. Um, and it adds like the broad power shoulders and stuff. Um, it really makes a difference and it feels good to go collect those power ups. It's true. It does feel really good. I like the um, purple one, the wave beam quite a bit. That one's a lot of fun to use. Yeah. I just got that recently. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Then that's, that's when you truly never stop pressing the shoot button. Right. Watching so, the little orbs back, back and forth. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. It's a good feeling. All right. We're, we'll come back to Metroid. I'm sure we're going to do a lot of comparing and contrasting here. But let's talk about probably the best example of a modern Metroidvania in Hollow Knight. Um, I'm obsessed with Hollow Knight. Really. <laughs> I know you are. This is a game that, I, that had been recommended to me many, many times. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like, dude, you love Metroid. You got to play Hollow Knight. It's like it's just a little guy. And you like, yeah, it's like you like Dark Souls to, to a certain extent, you know. It combines everything you love. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right. And it took me forever just to finish it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll, we'll dig into that later. But Matt, I feel like you are more equipped to kind of talk about this game at the moment. Okay. So in general, with Hollow Knight, you are a little bug, a little beetle dude with horns. Um, you're kind of dropped in this desolate town called Dirtmouth. And you're told by a guy in the Elder Bug that there is a large kingdom underground. And when people go down there, they don't usually come back. And people, and you want to go explore it. So that's just kind of how the game starts. You go down and you explore this really vast um, underground network of caverns called Hollow Nest. And as you go, um, again, you find a lot of power ups and upgrades that help you unlock more areas. You meet a lot of really cool NPCs that have their own kind of side stories. Um, I'm going to try to avoid spoilers as much as I can for at least a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and then you go and there's a lot of really cool like environmental storytelling that's really interesting. So you kind of learn about the lore of Hollow Nest and what makes it so dangerous and why people don't really explore down there anymore. Um, it's a lot of fun, I think. It's, um, in the combat, you're like, you get a little sword called a nail, and you basically just hit the guys with your nail. Pretty basic. Um, you can pogo off of them to like jump into the air. Um, you learn different powerful attacks, like the charge attacks that you can use to make your hit stronger. You unlock spells that are good for long-range attacks. So as you go, your combat really evolves, and you can really change up your playstyle to how you want to take on certain tasks. And you had mentioned Dark Souls a little bit. Um, there's a lot of bosses um, that are very, very difficult. Um, and so you will be dying a lot, and you will be... Um, kind of using those deaths to, to learn how to take care of those bosses a little bit more effectively, which I honestly thought would drive me nuts. But actually ended up being way more, um, I guess, empowering. And, like, um, I felt very accomplished when I was done, which I didn't expect. I thought I would be annoyed the entire time. So that was a, a fun surprise. <laughs> yeah. 
I, you know, I recently got the first ending to Hollow Knight. I finally just sat down. I beat it at like three in the morning one night, um, like last week um, as of recording. Yeah. Well, I was just like, I, I reinstalled it and I was like, okay, let's play some more. And I finally got past a point, you know, where I hadn't explored already. I was like, okay, cool. I'm finding new things. And I just kept playing and playing and playing. And then I just beat it. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, once I got, I just was missing like one movement upgrade. Um, and then once I got the one, I was able to just make my plow my way through the rest of the main game. Um, one of the things that I was noticing right away and when we were talking about doing this topic is um, Hollow Knight really does a nice job of spreading out its save locations. Yes. Um, there are a lot more of them as well, um, for the most part. There's a couple places where I wanted to scream. <laughs> but otherwise, uh, it went, you know, I, I didn't have to travel very far most of the time to get back where, where I was. Right. There's very few f- feelings that I've had that surpass finding a bench in Hollow Knight when you really, really need one. Mm-hmm. It is the best thing. Yeah. Um, Metroid, on the other hand, <laughs> um, is a little bit stingy about its save points. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go large amounts of time without finding one. Um, and also the save points in Metroid do not heal you. Right. Um, with the exception of one spot in zero mission, or one area in zero mission, um, and Fusion always paired the save rooms with a recharge room. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was two separate rooms instead of making it one thing for some reason. Um, whereas in Hollow Knight, whenever you step on, sit on a bench... It's very Dark Souls-esque where it saves your progress. Um, It will update your map if you have those items to update your map. Um, And the enemies will respawn. Mm -hmm. Um, But you'll fully heal. Uh, And so that's really nice, you know, that they, you know, the benches are pretty pretty well spread out for you to um, be able to save often. Um, and switch out your charms and those kinds of things. Um, I really was a big fan of the combat in Hollow Knight. Um, it felt very uh, retro, but in a good way. Um, yeah. it, it's pattern recognition. Um, you know, okay, how many hits can I get in? Where do I find where I can heal um, effect- safely? Um, you know, how greedy can I be? All right, if I switch up this charm, how many more hits can I get in? Or how quickly can I heal? Um, there's a lot of playstyle differences in Hollow Knight that are very, very nice. As somebody who... I, I love the combat in Hollow Knight. The boss fights were easily my favorite part of the game. Um, just trying to figure out the most effective ways to go about each boss um, okay. was very, very cool. For me, my favorite part was the exploration and unlocking the map and finding the new areas. Uh, that's my favorite part in just about every game that I play. I've noticed basically through Hollow Knight that a pattern of mine of games that I love is exploration and especially unlocking areas on a map and like locating new regions and stuff. Like for some reason, mm-hmm. that gives me a giant rush of dopamine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I understand. Um, I will say. Um, as much as I enjoyed uh, experiencing the map and areas of Hollow Knight, the music is phenomenal. Uh, I love it. 
there were very few places in Hollow Knight that I was like, oh god, this sucks. Like, I kind of hate this. Um, Deep Nest, in particular. I hate Deep Nest. Uh, it just gave me, like... Yeah, uh, it just, you know, brought me back to the days of Blighttown and Dark Souls, and was just like, I hate this. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything else, I was just like, this is, like, scary and gross, but kind of gorgeous at the same time. Right. Um, but one of the, my big pet peeves with Hollow Knight, um, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but a very distinct style difference here, is the map only updates when you sit at a bench. Mm-hmm. Um. So as you explore, which it makes sense, because uh, you have to have the map and then like a quill, right? Yeah. You have to buy one of those. Yeah. Is, you know, in Metroid, when you explore a room, that gets added to your map. Um, and then there are map rooms to give you like the grayed out versions. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, it will show you the main path, or at least the, the, what they consider the main routes uh, in a Metroid game through the map. Very rarely is a secret, or very rarely is the main path hidden um, behind, like, a secret wall or, or, like, a secret room or something. I say rarely because it does happen. Um, whereas in Hollow Knight, I felt much more consistently, I was like, I don't know where the heck I'm supposed to go. Um, no route looks like the route. Um, sometimes the secret way that you find is actually the way to go, or a way to go. Um, and you'll find yourself turned around a lot more. Um, again, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but definitely something that my first couple times trying to play the game really kind of turned me off from. Um, and not to mention that in order to see yourself on the on the map while you're moving, that takes up a charm slot. Um, but the wayward compass is the best charm. It is, <laughs> but you know, sometimes There's I want something else. Power. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's just kind of, if you're one who likes to kind of aimlessly wander, Hollow Knight is definitely going to be your best friend here. I'm an aimless wanderer. <laughs> um, I am to an extent. <laughs> right. Um, I do understand that that could be annoying. However, um, even if you happen to die while you're out exploring an unknown region, you'll go back to a bench and then that part of the map will yeah. be unlocked once you die. So like, even though you do have to go back and get your little shade dude. Um, mm-hmm. It's not as if you will never be able to unlock that portion of the map. Right. Yeah, I'm with you. And then um, I was watching a video about kind of the construction of the of the like progression of Hollow Knight from mm-hmm. a YouTube channel called Game Maker's Toolkit. Who I found oh, they are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I found them a long time ago, and then, like, haven't seen anything from them I recommended for a very long time until recently. Um, but I watched his Hollow Knight video, which is, like, his um, finale for now of his Boss Keys series that he does. Mm-hmm. Um, he talked a lot about how the game um, lets you kind of be free and explore, but also nudges you softly to different destinations. One way they do that is because if you do kind of aimlessly wander, there are so many different ways to get to the the main sections of like the big story beats on the map that you're mm-hmm. going to find it eventually, no matter what you do. Yeah. So, for instance, there's like 
I don't know, like four ways to get to the resting grounds where like one of the bigger story beats in the game in the game happens. So no matter what you do and which way you go, you'll get there eventually. So I, I think it's important that um the game does open up and give you a lot of freedom, but also it's not s- super difficult to find where you have to go because there's a lot of ways to get there. Right. The main difference between something like Metroid and something like Hollow Knight is that the there is not a main pathway like there is in Metroid. Um, in Metroid, there is pretty much one way to get somewhere if you're following the intended route. Um, if you're a speedrunner or somebody who just likes breaking the game sometimes, um, then you can find other ways around um, certain areas of the game. Um, whereas in Hollow Knight, the idea is that you are supposed to wander until you kind of run into what it is you're looking for. Um, and that includes sometimes breaking the game in a way um, that you might not have been intended um, right. through certain upgrades. There's actually a couple of places in the game where the developers at Team Cherry um, kind of intentionally gave you a clue that you could kind of sequence break in that specific area. So there are parts where there's like an enemy that you could pogo off of with your nail to get to a higher area than you're supposed to be able to get to. Um, <laughs> if you are like looking for it and you recognize that that is an opportunity you could do, you're able to do that. And they did some of those on purpose to kind of give people the ability to to mess around in that way. Which I think is kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things we haven't quite, we've touched on a little bit that I want to talk about with Hollow Knight is the, the charm system. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as you, I can't remember how many you start with at the very beginning. I think it's like four or five charm slots. Um, but so you get these little um, things called charms. They're essentially uh, the equivalent of the suit upgrades in Metroid, except there's like a lot more of them. And mm-hmm. when you rest at a bench, what? There's so many. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's a lot. So many charms. Um, but when you sit at a bench, you can basically swap out w- your charms so you can to fit whatever need you're going for at the time. There are ways to find extra charm slots so that you can hold more. Um, and really, like, define your uh, your kit, if you will, um, as you play through the game. Um, so, like, for me, most of mine included uh, the... There was one that increased... There were two of them that increased range on the nail. Um, and then the compass were, like, the three that I would have on at all times. You put both um, of those on? Yeah, because it stacked. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, and so, it, well, it allowed me, the way, because of the way I was playing, um, I could get more hits in without having to be as close, which meant I had more time to dodge when it came around. Um, my goal was to not get hit at all, um, right. rather than try and find a spot where I could maybe tank hits and then heal later. Um, but that those are the two that I went with, or the three that I went with. Um, and sometimes I would, if I knew I was just going towards a boss, I would remove the compass charm and put something else over top. My favorites are the ones that, because I do love this game, but I'm not very good at it. <laughs> so I, I do get hit a lot. So my favorites are the things that give you like some sort of buff when you do get hit. There's one called Thorns of Agony, where it'll do double of your nail damage um, against a nearby enemy when you get hit. 
and there's grub song which gives you um some soul which is like your mana in the game um when you get hit so i i would wear those a lot especially in boss fights yeah i would usually switch the compass for the thorns um that would help me a lot um because if you're gonna get hit it might as well be worth something exactly um but yeah and there's a lot more than that um throughout the game that you can find to really fine-tune the way you want to play. Um, and as a little secret, this was something that was told to me uh, when I was first playing the game and was streaming it. You can actually over-charm um, if you're interested in this. So if you like have five charm slots and you've got the compass and something else on, you've only got one slot, but you want to equip something that has like three, maybe, um, you can keep mashing the charm into the one spot uh, and eventually it will stick and you will be overcharmed. Uh, so you get the extra equip, uh, but you will take double damage from everything. Which is not good, especially if you are fighting a boss that already deals double damage. You then mm-hmm. would have four health knocked yeah. out in one hit. Yeah, but it's a thing you can do, and it's really funny. I did it for yeah. a little bit, um, and I'm I'm also not very good at Hollow Knight. Um <laughs> Like, with the exception of bosses. Like, the bosses I will figure out and will be fine. Um, the, actually, it's the traversal of certain areas I'm not as good at. Then, together, we would make a perfect Hollow Knight player. We would. Um, unfortunately, it's not how it works. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah. So, so, what I love is that Hollow Knight knows exactly what it is. It's a, you know, it's a Souls-like um, Metroidvania with a ton of upgrades, a lot of personality and all of the characters in it um, to make it feel like an ever-expanding world. Mm-hmm. Um, and like one that's still full of life, which is very, very cool. And Metroid knows what it is by being a lonely, bounty-hunting alien experience, um, which is just very, very cool. Yeah, it's interesting how two games could have so many similar ideas, like mechanically and structure wise, Mm -hmm. but kind of come to two very different conclusions. Yeah. Um, And it's cool to see as well because, like, with Metroid Dread coming out, um, Hollow Knight Silk Song is still in development um, for who knows when. Um, I mean, a lot of Hollow Knight was free DLC up until Mm -hmm. Silk Song, so. Um, there's still a lot of game outside of the base stuff. Um, you know, games like Ori doing really, really well. I hope that we see a lot more of these types of games be made with their own little style. Um, there are a lot of them out there, a lot of indie uh, Metroidvania games that are just other game knockoffs. Um, and I'd love to see a lot more of them branch out into this uh, into this style. Um, One thing. Because I, I was oh go oh, ahead. sorry no you were still talking okay. I interrupted no I pretty much good that was pretty much it what I was going to say is one thing that I find interesting about these kinds of games is how often they utilize the like secret ending or like the extra mm-hmm. ending after completing other tasks um, yeah I guess some slight spoilers for Hollow Knight are to follow um, after you fight the quote-unquote final boss, um, there's actually a lot more that you can do 
which sadly the game doesn't really tell you you can do. I had to look all this up online, which is my one main grape with Hollow Knight is is this fact. Um, yeah. But there's a lot of extra content you can do to get additional endings, which is pretty interesting. Um, to fight the true final boss, which is like the being that is um, really in charge of all the bad things that have been going on in Hollow Nest. Um, and then there's also two more endings that were added um, with the DLC, which is pretty cool. So there's, yeah. I think, five um, different endings you are able to get on one save file, which I thought was really cool. I've never played a game like that before. Yeah, um, I noticed that too. After I beat the final boss, I also looked it up. Um, and I, I think they did that knowing that that's just how people would kind of go through it. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's just kind of a fact of releasing a game nowadays, um, for better or worse. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of cool things. Um, one of the things that I also really love about these games is um, they, they all have like internal like challenge runs in their either achievement lists or um, like their galleries and stuff. In Metroid, it ended up being like ending end card galleries um, for either completing it on a certain difficulty or beating a difficulty under a certain amount of time. Um, beating a game with a certain difficulty, collecting a certain percentage of items. Like, there are all kinds of different challenge runs you can do with these games. Um, which, of course, um, the speedrun community loves. <laughs> yes. um, I, I love watching Super Metroid. Uh, any Metroid speedrun is mm-hmm. honestly quite quite amazing. I have not quite dug into uh, Hollow Knight speedruns yet. Um, after I've only just beat it. Uh, so it's just percent run is kind of crazy. Like it's so well optimized now that it's kind of hard to get into and like actually feel like you're going to get a record of any sort unless they right. find some sort um, of new skip that people can take advantage of. Right. Um, but it's cool. These games are developed, not necessarily maybe Hollow Knight did a little bit um, where they were like optimizing like a speed run route. Um, but a lot of the Metroid games absolutely did not intend um, a lot of these speedruns to happen. Um, There's actually one speedrun tech in Super Metroid that I can do, and it makes me feel very happy. But the the whole game is so, like Hollow Knight, just so well-optimized at this point um, that it's pretty near impossible to to really scratch into it. Right. There's also a lot of cool challenge runs in Hollow Knight. Like, there's... um... Grub percent, I think is what it's called. Um, we haven't touched on this. There's a collectible throughout the game. There are these little grubs, like little baby bugs that live in these glass jars, and you can rescue them. And that's uh, a quest line that you have throughout the whole game is to find all the grubs. And so one of the challenge runs is to find all the grubs as fast as possible, which is very cute. I like the grubs a lot. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> Um, one of the other things too is that uh, these games lend themselves really well to randomizers. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're a longtime listener of this podcast, you know that I love randomizers. Um, and these games are so perfect for them because there are certain areas you cannot go without certain upgrades most of the time. Um, and so there's a very clear logic in the program 
to guide you from one place to another uh, through these randomizers. And it's just such a cool way to experience these games um, when you start to mix everything all together. Mm-hmm. I've found it interesting because before playing any Metroid games, I didn't understand how they could even possibly work. But now that I've played Hollow Knight, I kind of understand how a Hollow Knight randomizer, I could, how I could potentially do that. Whereas when I would watch you play a Metroid randomizer, I would be very, very confused. <laughs> but now I think I kind of get it more, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, these games are super cool. Um, I, If you like exploring and some kind of retro-esque feel, um, any of these Metroidvanias are really, really solid. Um, especially with Metroid Dread coming out, if you have a Switch with the online, go play Super Metroid. Um, I will be uh, very honest with you, I think it's the hardest of the four mainline games. Um, but it's also a lot of people's favorite um, is Super Metroid, so Super Metroid's a great way to go play. Or play the original Metroid uh, with a guide. Like, do not feel like you... you heck, use a guide with Super Metroid. Uh, like, honestly. <laughs> I found a video. Uh, yeah. Do not be afraid to use a guide with some of these older games, um, because Quite frankly, a lot of their maps were in a manual, so you are not cheating by looking up a map, um, you know, and those kinds of things. Um, or heck, even use a tracker. Find a randomizer tracker and just put in the items you have, and it'll show you all the items you can go get. That's cool. Hey, that's how this worked. Yeah, there's. A, I know there's one for Super Metroid. There's one for Metroid Zero Mission. Um, there's a bunch for the Legend of Zelda games, too. Cool. Or on that. Um, and I can't imagine Hollow Knight doesn't have one at this point. I'm sure it does. Speaking of which, that's like, uh, like what? $20 for Hollow Knight? Yeah. And all the DLCs included. Like, it's yeah. such a good deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if you play it for like a few hours and you can't quite get through the whole thing, like, it's still like worth picking up just to see what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me a while to finish it, but I'm so, so glad that I did. Um, cause it just feels like I finally completed this piece of, um, not necessarily gate, like, mo- like modern gaming novelties. Right. I'd um, say it's a modern classic is how I would put yeah. it right now. Yeah. Just as it's been recommended to me by like three to four different friend groups at this point. Um, I was like, I just have to sit down and play it. I just have to make myself play it. Um, and it was so, so worth it, um, to play through. Um. But yeah, also, if you can have a Game Boy laying around, or if you still have... Here's the, here's the real one. If you have a Wii U still, um, you can get Metroid Zero Mission and uh, Fusion for like 10 bucks each. Or I think it's like a Metroid that. machine right now. Yeah. Uh, so if you're interested in those, uh, Zero Mission is probably my favorite and probably the best um, Metroid experience, in my opinion. Um that's only partially nostalgia talking. Um, but it's a remake of the first Metroid. It has a lot of the modern um, advancements. It came out after Fusion. So Zero Mission was the last Metroid to come out uh, since, well, since Samus Returns. So it's been about 19 years. So, you know, as modern as you can get for the most part. Right. Um, and that, that randomizer works really well, too. So, um, I think that's all I have on the Metroidvania genre. 
Here's all I've got too. Um, are there any that you want to play soon that you know of? Um, I think I want to watch a couple more runs of Hollow Knight uh, for some other people, and then try the randomizer out with a tracker. That'd be cool. Um, but I think as far as new ones, I am interested in um, Ori and the Blind Forest has been on my list for for a while. Um, but I'm also too, wanting. Right? Yes, uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Yes. Um, but as far as there's a... I still want to get through Metroid Prime. I've never actually played through the Prime trilogy. Um, I have the first game. It's sitting here in my GameCube. Um, and I just haven't played through it yet. So, um, But that one also has a randomizer, so I'm a little more partial at the moment to that one, too. So Makes sense. What about you? I know you're still playing through Super Metroid at the moment. Right. Um, I think Ori is probably my next one that I'm going to try. I'm going to take a break from Metroidvanias for a little bit. Um, honestly, I, I want to get the Tony Hawk game really bad, so that might be <laughs> the next thing I pick up. Um, yeah, yeah. Would you? Con- I know this is like very random at the very end, but would you consider mm-hmm. something like uh, Link's Awakening to be a Metroidvania? It's pretty um, similar in a lot of regards with the power-ups unlocking a lot of parts of the map. Yeah, I would say... Hmm. I don't know. Probably not. Um, I think it's too linear. Cause then other, yeah, because I think every game in the most heart would be a Metroidvania if we used that criteria. Right. Um, I think what separates those type of games from a Metroidvania is the ever-expanding exploring exploring map. Um, whereas a game like Link's Awakening usually opens up like a zone, yeah. um, and then like the dungeon in the zone. Um, Good distinction because Elaine has been playing that yeah. the past couple of days, so I was yeah. just curious. Yeah, I think it's whenever you, it's the same as like trying to com- do the c- differentiate between a roguelike and a roguelite. <laughs> you don't have to <laughs> and get other, <laughs> yeah, and an- other things in the genre. It's just a Got to draw the line somewhere, and I think that's where I would put that. <laughs> I agree with you. So, well, with that, guys, hey, if you are uh, have some other Metroidvanias you might want to recommend to us, let us know it on our Twitter at Games Parlay Pod, um, as well as if there's any other topics you want us to cover. Um, our last episode, we talked about the Switch OLED. Um, there's a couple other uh, game announcements that have come up recently, stuff like the, as of recording, the Nickelodeon All-Stars game. Um, and then the, and the stuff about the persona stuff, uh, that stuff you want us to talk about, let us know, uh, or any other games you want us to talk about. We'd be happy to kind of take a look at those. So, uh, with that, thank you guys for listening and we'll catch you all on the next episode.